Fandom is a word that gets tossed around a lot lately, and we use it in very different ways. We talk about our fandoms, and this fandom, and that fandom. But what really is a fandom? Let's talk about that today on Project Shadow. Today, my name's Charlie. You might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset, especially if you're reading my new book, Crucify My Love, or my other sort of new book, The Chain, which I'm posting revised chapters up on Wattpad and soon on Project Shadow. I promise the Project Shadow project, wow, that's weird to say, will be <laughs> finished soon and we'll be getting into it. So before we get started in today's episode, if you haven't already, please take a moment to rate and review this podcast wherever you're listening. It really does help out a lot. It tells the algorithms to share the podcast with more people. The more people, the better the community. The better the community, the more chance we can interact with each other. And that, honestly, is why I do all this. So thank you very much to everybody who's done that. Hi, everybody. Today we're going back to a golden oldie. Especially for those of you who have been with the Project Shadow podcast since its inception. Way back when. Way back in the day. Fandom. Fandom is a word that I hear all too often. And it's a word that I think has started to lose its meaning. Especially to people other than me. Sci-fi fantasy fandom is a lot older than people think it is. I think... When I, well, when I talk to people about this topic, their general idea about fandom and when it started and how it got organized and everything usually starts with the Star Trek conventions. And, oh, it's so much older than that. We can go back to the 1920s and the 1930s, where we find the first sci-fi conventions starting to organize as well as major fan associations that would produce amazing, amazing stories and then blow up spectacularly. I'm talking about the Futurians, and if anybody would like me to do an in-depth on them at some point, do let me know, because, I mean, they had some of the greatest luminaries in science fiction writing as members, and, oh, the drama... The drama is real. But yeah, fandom has been around for a lot longer than I think people realize. And over the years, it actually developed its own language. In fact, one of the oldest sci-fi fan fandom lexicons that I was ever able to find came out in the 1950s. And I've seen snippets of those that come from much earlier on. Because we as fans have always liked to make up our own words. In-group, out-group, sh group, shubeleths are everything. 
And that's been true since the inception of fandom. So, I guess we should start with the definition of what is a fan. And one of the most controversial things I've ever stated on this podcast, because I am willing to go out on a limb and do something that really rubs people the wrong way, and define what a fan is. To me, a fan is somebody who loves something. Yeah, you wouldn't think that that definition would be as controversial as it has been over the years, but I've had some really strong debates and discussions and sometimes even arguments with people who take me as trying to be an elitist. And I'm not. I'm not. But I am. Because, especially nowadays, I think we can really see a difference between those people who are a part of fandom and those people who are just haters, who like to just be contrarian and nasty because, well, it can make money just to say controversial things, and that's a really sad, sad affect of capitalism that hopefully we will find ways to route around in future But yeah, to me, a fan is somebody who loves something. So if you're a Star Trek fan, you're a Star Trek fan because you love Star Trek. If you're a Star Wars fan, you're a Star Wars fan because you love Star Wars. It's that simple. And this is where one of the biggest debates that has ever raged within fandom arose. What is fandom? Is there one fandom? Are there many fandoms? What does that word mean? And that one, I will say to a great extent, is uh, one of those, it's in the eyes of the beholder kind of thing. To me, when I talk about a fandom, I talk about a community that I am entering that all have a shared love of a particular thing. So I can talk broadly about sci-fi fandom or fantasy fandom or speculative fiction fandom, Or start zooming in into Star Trek fandom, or DS9 fandom, or Dax fandom, which for a while was a really creepy and scary place to be. It really was. But those are all valid things that we can talk about. And honestly, I'm not going to go into the whole thing about stan culture in this episode. If you want me to do that, let me know, and I will do a special episode just on stan culture, because... I think, I don't know, are we going to call it standom? Um, I think there's a big difference between a stan and a fan. And I guess I should briefly explain that. To me, a stan is somebody who we used to call a fanboy or a fangirl. Someone who blindly loves whatever the thing is. The, The object of the fandom can do no wrong. And everyone who says otherwise, or who is not as committed to the fandom as they are, is obviously an imposter and must be thrown out. At least that's my experience of the stands that are out there. Though, I do realize that that word is kind of starting to take on its own connotations and just broadening out a bit to the point where if you really love something, I've heard a lot of people start saying, I stand that, or I'm a stan of this while not taking it to that kind of ideological extreme. But, like I said, that's a topic for a whole other podcast, and 
Let me know if you want that one, and I'll do it. Now, fandom has always been divisive. Always. In 1934, one of the most amazing speeches I've ever read was delivered at one of the earliest world cons arguing for fan unity and what fans should be united around. And while I'm not going to go into detail about that, because I've actually read the speech on the podcast way back in the day, and I may bring it back out in future, the idea that in 1934 we were already struggling with this idea of unity within fandom tells you everything that you need to know about human nature. We are tribal by nature, and we will find ways to divide and exclude others as quickly and fashionably as possible. Which is why I periodically do episodes on this podcast just praising fandom and arguing for a more inclusive definition of it. To me, a fan can be anything from a casual observer who just watches the show, watches the movies, and likes them, to somebody who owns every piece of merchandise that ever came out, who goes to see things multiple times in theaters and all that insane thing, all those insane things that we do. I, I think we need to embrace the broad view of what a fan is and what fandom is. But at the same time, we need to be very careful to realize what it is we're actually falling in love with. And this is where we get to use one of the other, I think, overly used and often misused terms when it comes to a franchise, and that's mythos. To me, fandom is about mythos. It's about loving the stories, loving the characters, loving the worlds, and wanting to participate in them. And yes, you can go into my office and you can see all of my Harry Potter Funkos and, well, I've got a bunch of stuff from various things from, you know, little maquettes of Tyrion to a whole bunch of stuff from Inside Out because that movie just meant the world to me. And, you know, my plushies from Slime Rancher and everything. So yes, there can be a material side. There can be a collector side to fandom. But I think that one of the two things that makes fandom most toxic is when we confuse being a fan, when we confuse fandom with consumerism. Because they're not necessarily the same thing, and they shouldn't be equated. See, just because I'm a fan of a property does not mean I have to buy every single thing that comes out. It doesn't mean that I have to be a collector of that particular thing. Though, you'd probably call me out if you ever came to the house and saw all of the Steven Universe stuff and Star Wars stuff and Star Trek stuff and everything that just is all over my house. But that is an expression of my fandom and not the fandom itself. Corporations want you to spend money. That's what they do. That's all they want. That's all they care about. For anybody who wants to ascribe to a corporation any other agenda, they don't have that. They want your money, and they want you to just give it to them. More. 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 
Now, I'm not saying that that is necessarily a bad thing, but you have to realize that up front. For all of the conspiracy theories that like to go around about how this company or that company has an agenda, and I know I'm going to take some crap for saying this, but for example, when Nike hired Colin Kaepernick, and then recently listened to him about the Betsy Ross shoes that they were going to release for the 4th of July, well, that gets equated in some people's minds to a liberal agenda. The problem with trying to ascribe political motivations to what a corporation does, especially a corporation that cares about making money, is they took a risk, they hired Colin Kaepernick, they saw their sales go up. They saw their profits increase. So when he came to them and said, you know, the flag that's being put on these shoes has, is trying to be reclaimed right now by white supremacists, so you may not want to put that out there. That may be a mixed message. Since he had helped them make money, they listened. See, it has nothing to do with the politics, really. It has to do with what will be a better business decision on their part. Any t attempt to ascribe good intentions on the parts of these companies is misplaced. Now, individual people, such as actors or writers or even directors in these projects, may have a pr particular idea or ideology that they're wanting to get across. The companies themselves only care about money. And this is why they go out of their way to produce products for you to spend money on. Again, not a bad thing in and of themselves. Trust me, you should see all the Star Wars stuff we got. It, it's, it happens. But when you confuse your fandom for collecting, all you're doing is the bidding of those corporations that want to take your money. And you're actually robbing from yourself because it, and I'm not saying you're robbing money from yourself. You're actually robbing the experience from yourself. See, in my book, true fandom is sitting around with your friends and with others and having profound and deep conversations about the things that you love. Having silly, goofy conversations about the things that you love. Doing weird mashups and crossovers and singing folk songs and just having fun with the properties. That's what real fandom is. And yes, that can include buying things. And yes, that can include supporting the various things that we enjoy. But the real enjoyment and the real blessing that comes from being a part of fandom is the community that develops around it. One of the reasons why I'm so devoted to Star Trek isn't really the shows. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the original series. I love The Next Generation. I love Deep Space Nine. I like Voyager. There, there are episodes in Enterprise that I absolutely adore and others I wish had never been made. And, well, Discovery, you can go back and listen to my episode reviews. I have a very weird relationship. It's kind of like being in a bad having a bad dating partner. You love them. You want them to do good, do good things. You see the potential in them. And every now and then, they exhibit that they understand that potential. And then they don't. 
And don't even get me started on the movies, because those are hit and miss. And the books were fun sometimes until they weren't, and I haven't really gotten back into them, and I don't read the comics. But the reason I'm so devoted to Star Trek fandom are the people that I know. I am the crew bartender and fleet captain's counselor in the Starfleet vessel USS Serling. Because these are my friends, and we have a lot of fun, and we do things together, and we enjoy spending time together, and it's fun. See, the people that I have met and the relationships that I have built via Star Trek fandom, through my love of this series, its characters, and everything that it entails, is why I stay so devoted to it, even though, let's be honest, it hasn't been good for a very long time, and I don't really have hopes that it's going to get better anytime soon. I mean, maybe Picard will be better, maybe Season 3 of Discovery will be better... I I hope that Quentin Tarantino movie never gets made. I know they're talking like it's definitely going to get made, but the ink hasn't really been signed on it yet, so there's still a chance it won't get made. But whether they make it or not, whether it's good or not, it's not going to affect my fandom. Because I can still sit around with my friends and talk about old episodes of the original series, or The Next Generation, or Deep Space Nine, or fill-in-the-blank series. Those will always be there, and those relationships that we've built up over the years really matters. I have friends that cosplay Klingon and cosplay Borg, and they've taken them all into their own unique way that are so much more entertaining than what would ever be on the show. Because, well, a drunken Borg who is there to assimilate you through alcohol and flirting is one of the greatest things ever. It really is. And that has little to do, except for visually, with the Borg that actually appeared on the show. Because that's what fandom is. Fandom is, at its very heart, transformative. We take the things that we love and we play with them. It's one of the few places where, as an adult, we can be kids again and just have fun. So I invite you, if you've never participated in a fandom, find one. Try to find one that's not hyper-toxic. You can find out whether they are really quickly, because there are some that have just... Like, I was really into Voltron until the fandom got nasty. And... I mean, I still love the shows I grew up with as a kid... But I'm probably three or four seasons behind on that show, just because the people that I was interacting with became jerks, and really made me not care to watch any more of the show, which is sad. So, yeah, participate, have fun, reach out, because that is the real benefit of fandom. The community that grows around these ideas and stories and characters. The people who, like me, have Kirk and Spock writing Puff the Magic Dragon on their wall over their desk because why wouldn't I have that up there? And it tells you a lot about me if you know how to read the code. And that's fun. That's 
life. And if we're not enjoying ourselves, because trust me, there's so much in this world to not enjoy that we need to carve out a place for ourselves where we can just be entertained and just have fun. Because in the end, those are the moments we're going to remember. So I invite you to fandom. Find one. Dance in it. You can definitely see which ones I'm a part of because I spend a lot of time on this show talking about them. Because that's what I like to do. Alright, before we go, I want to remind everyone I will be at Shore Leave 41 from July 12th to 14th in Hunt Valley, Maryland. That's literally just on the north side of Baltimore. It's on the inside of the Baltimore Beltway, um, 695. It's right there. It's a lot of fun. It's going to be at the Delta Hotels Baltimore, which I have to recite every time because that hotel keeps changing names. It's going to be a lot of fun. There are going to be a lot of people there, a lot of writers, a lot of stars and actors and whatnot. They have a gaming track, if that's what you're into. The cosplay depending on the year is either really fun or your greatest hits coming out yet again it's a lot of fun i love this convention i've been going for a long time so i'll be more than likely running the lgbt tract at this convention because that's what i do there so if you can make it come on out say hi and yeah we're gonna have a lot of fun if you haven't already, please do rate this podcast. It really does help out a lot. If you've got a buck you can throw my way, in the show notes you'll find a link to the Patreon page and the community support page. From either one of those, you can make a monthly donation to Project Shadow, and that helps out a lot. That helps me do everything that I do right now because I have decided that that's how... I want to make money. That's how I want to be supported by you. That way, if you don't have the money, I can still give you the stories and the podcasts and everything for free. So thank you to everybody who does that. If you don't have the money or just don't feel like it right now, don't worry about it. It's okay. But if you know somebody that you think would like this podcast, do share it with them. That helps out a lot. If you want to hit me up, I'm on... Uh, I'm C.E. Dorset on both Instagram and Twitter. Still trying to figure out how to use Instagram because I'm 42 years old and I'm a writer, so I don't have a lot of stuff to take pictures of. So I am still learning. <laughs> um, you can also leave me a voice message. You can find links to that in the show notes. You can find links to everything that I do over at ProjectShadow.com, including a bunch of stuff that's going to be coming soon over there very very excited next week the episodes will be weird i will be on the road all week and so the audio quality may not be as good because i'm going to be recording them on the spot some while traveling some in variant locations who knows i might even have some surprise guests and stuff you never know it's going to be crazy so until next time don't forget to have the fun bye